0: So this morning we will be taking a look at Revelation chapter 12. But um, before we get into that, I'm going to take you on a little slight detour here this morning. And I'd like you to open your Bibles up to the Gospel of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Now, I know that there may not be... an a necessity for me to do this with those of you that are here this morning but for the benefit of those that will listen to these recorded teachings I'd, I'd like to share my heart with you for a few moments here as it pertains to the teachings that I share with you guys on a weekly basis now you have heard me exhort you all from time to time time and time again I should say to study the Bible study the Word of God for yourself. And I know that I sound like a broken record with that or a scratch CD, whatever it may be nowadays. But I'm sure that many of you, if not all of you, do read your Bibles on a regular basis. And again, I'm talking to a larger audience. We do have people that listen over the Internet to these teachings as well. But I really do want to be sure that as I teach people from the Word of God, that I always do so with a, a heart's desire that not only will you yourself grow in the knowledge of our God and our Savior, but also that you will be inspired to share the word of God with others around you. I think that's a a very key component missing in in the lives of much of Christianity today. Um, To me, my call is to reach potential disciples of Jesus Christ but also to teach those that already are disciples of Jesus Christ. And now I totally realize that not everyone is called to do what I do. Not everyone is called to be a pastor or Bible teacher. I completely understand my call in Christ. But I, knew, but I do know that each and every one of us is called to share the truth about our God and Savior with those that we come in contact with in our daily lives. And I know that each and every one of us have a gifting from the Lord in one way, shape, or form. you know. And as you've heard me also say before, I by no means consider myself to be the teacher. I believe that there's one teacher and one teacher alone, and that is the Holy Spirit. And here in John chapter 14, I want you to read along with me, starting down in verse 22, John 14, 22. It says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now I want you to keep in mind here that Jesus is specifically answering a question here. He's answering the question, How is it? that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. Do you ever wonder why people that have not had the Lord manifested to them don't understand the things of the Spirit of God? Well, we know 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So Jesus is asked here, how is this, Lord? How is it that you manifest yourself to some, but others don't know you in the world, right? Jesus answered, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So this is how Jesus manifests himself to those that believe on him. And more specifically to those that keep his word, as he says here, that's how he manifests himself to that person. And what happens is that that person, for the person that loves the Lord and demonstrate and demonstrates this by keeping his word, he, the Lord and the Father come and make their home inside of that person. And this is the answer to the question. This is the way that Jesus is manifested To a person. You see, verse 24 says, He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So remember, we know from John chapter 1 that Jesus is the Word made flesh. He came to the earth from the Father above. The words that Jesus speaks, he says, are his Father's words. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. So again, Jesus Jesus is physically with his disciples here and he tells them these things. Verse 26, he says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So Jesus, in John chapter 16, said that it was better if he went away because the Holy Spirit would come if he did. And just like the Father sent the Son and the Son testified of the Father's words, in like manner the Son sent the Holy Spirit who testifies of the Son's words. And all of that, of course, being in what we know of as the Word of God, our Holy Bibles. It's all right here. This testifies of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. We know in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got this word. That's how we got the word of God. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit and wrote all of this down. So with all of that being said, who is our teacher today? Who is your teacher? Is it me? Is it Billy Graham? Is it David Jeremiah, Greg Laurie, this man, that man, on and on? No, if you've been born again, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you and he is your teacher. Okay, so what do I do here then Sunday after Sunday? All I do is simply use the gift that the Lord has given me to share the word of God through the Holy Spirit. And it's what the Holy Spirit teaches you, not what I teach you. So the importance is, is all based on the word of God, right? I am a Bible teacher, yes I am, but your focus needs to be on what you hear from the Spirit of the Lord. I am a man teaching you the Word of God. The Word of God is truth always, but I am a man. So let God be true and every man a liar, okay, because we are to stand upon and rest upon What the Word of God says. Why do I bring all this up? Because one of the reasons is, is I've had a lot of circumstances here recently with people uh, questioning God to me and questioning about the existence of God, questioning Jesus Christ. And God is putting a couple people in my path recently. And I realized that the church just doesn't share the gospel enough. The church just doesn't share the Word of God enough. Also, as I study through Revelation and as I teach Revelation, you know I can look and see. Well, this commentary says this, and this commentary says that. It's the same verse, but we got five different things on this one verse. So what do I do? I kind of and, and I kind of throw it all out, and I seek the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, if you don't show me this from your Word, I don't want to teach it because I don't want to be another com- a commentary out there for you. I believe that we all need to rely on what the Spirit of the Lord says to us at this point in time in our lives. And we all must realize, examine ourselves where we are in the faith and say, who am I really in Christ? What really do I stand upon? How really am I living my life out there? Right, And then go back and, and say, is it upon the Word of God? Right. So, again, I do all I can to show myself approved, But I really want your focus to be on Jesus Christ and and on the one whom he approved, the one whom he said is the teacher. And that's the Holy Spirit. So my heart's desire is to see people grow in the Lord. And week after week again, I use my gift to point you to the word of God. And in turn, my hope is that you will take the word of God and point others to it. Right. I have also been given a gift to pastor people. So if you have deeper questions or concerns in regards to faith in the way you live out the word, I'm here for you. But I just really wanted to take a few moments here and to emphasize with you the fact that the Holy Spirit is our teacher, the true teacher of the word of God. So therefore, what do we need to do? We need to study the word of God. We need to listen to the spirit. No matter how pleasing a man teacher may be to you, someone else teaching the word, you need to be fed on the word of God yourself, right? So before we jump into our teaching for today, one last verse that I'll exhort you with, very familiar verse to all of you. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. I've had a lot of profane and uh, babbling going on in my life with people approaching me recently about who God is and things like that. But it says their message will spread like cancer. But we have a message that is a message of love, that is the Word of God. And that's a message that people that you work with, People in your family need it. They may appear that everything's okay and everything seems to be good, but people need the Word of the Lord. Okay? Because today there are many messages that spread like cancer. And they're killing people spiritually. And they're leading people away from God. and Away from the Word of the Lord. So, all that being said, let's look at Revelation chapter 12. And actually, let's go back into chapter 11 and we'll read our way on in to chapter 12. We'll start in verse 15 of Revelation 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets. And the saints and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. Verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, And on her head a garland of twelve stars then being with child she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth so here we go again right we've got some trippy symbolism here in front of us but remember this all made total sense to the original readers of this letter because they understood the scriptures that they had in their day, right? I call it trippy only because to our natural minds, these things that are written here don't come so natural, right? But let's pause here and talk about verses 1 and 2. And what I want to start with is the end of verse 1 there. On this woman's head, there was a garland of 12 stars. So what is it that these 12 stars could represent? Well, I submit to you, first of all, that they very well may represent the nation of Israel. And why do I say that? Well, let's mark this page and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. This is where Joseph... Is revealing his dreams to his brothers and his father, and right? And let's start reading in verse 9. So Genesis uh, 37 9. It says, Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun and the moon. And the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? So we have some very definite clues there, don't we? The son in Joseph's dream represents his father. Jacob. And the moon represents his mother, Rachel. But what I really want us to see here this morning is that the 11 stars of Joseph's dream represent his 11 brothers. Do you see that Jacob gives us the interpretation in in the way that Jacob responds to Joseph, he gives us the interpretation. Again, Joseph said, "The sun, the moon, And the eleven stars bowed down to me, and Jacob said in verse 10, Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to you, to the earth before you? And we know from Scripture that Joseph and his eleven brothers represent the twelve tribes of Israel. All the Israelites descended from those twelve tribes that were born of Jacob and his four wives. And since I've brought that up, I'd better expound a little bit more. Of Jacob's 12 sons, his son Levi did not receive an inheritance of land. And you can read about that in the book of Joshua chapter 13. Levi still, however, represents a tribe of Israel, but not one of the tribes, but just not one of the tribes that received an inheritance of land. So minus Levi, right, that leaves 11 sons of Jacob, but Joseph by himself, does not represent a tribe of Israel either. And you can read about that in Joshua chapter 14. So that leaves 10 sons of Jacob that represent tribes. But two sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, they did receive an inheritance of land, and they actually represent the 11th and the 12th tribe of Israel today right they received an inheritance of land so that's just a little side note for you since i brought up the tribes here this morning and you can study that on your own later but back onto the topic here as we turn back to revelation chapter 12 the stars here in verse 1 based on the interpretation of joseph's dream we can also tie these 12 stars to the 12 tribes of israel and of course, as is the case with all of humanity, all people were born of a woman, right? In just a moment, we'll see in verse 3 here that John is seeing a sign in heaven. So this is not a literal literal woman that on the earth that he's seeing, but rather a symbolic sign that the Lord is allowing John to see here. So in this vision, the apostle John here simply sees a mother, if you will right? A woman that gives birth. Womanho- womanhood, of course, gives birth, gave birth to all the tribes of Israel and to our Savior as well. Now, I wouldn't try to overcomplicate this here and try to figure out who this woman is, literally. Who does she represent? Because again, it says that it's a sign that John is seeing in the heavens, okay? In heaven. And another sign appeared, verse 3 says, In heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child and was, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So this great fiery red dragon is waiting for this woman to give birth so that, she can, so that he can destroy this child. This great fir- fiery red dragon is the devil, Satan himself. And we will see that pointed out to us as we go along here. But doesn't this story have a, a familiar ring to us? Think about it. Wasn't there a woman that had a child that Satan wanted dead as soon as he was born? Let's mark this page again and turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, the Gospel of Matthew Jesus has been born, and and looking down at verse 13, it says, Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem (laughs) and in all its districts, from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men so again the story in revelation 12 has a familiar ring to it satan wanted jesus dead from the time of his birth herod was a vessel of satan to try to accomplish this of course we know that satan failed in this effort but before we turn back to Revelation 12, let's read verse 17 and 18 here where it says, Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. So who is Rachel? Well, Rachel was, of course, Jacob's wife. Jacob's name We know was changed by God to Israel you can find that in Genesis 35 so again we can tie what we are studying in chapter 12 of Revelation to Israel but of course we also know that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah of Israel of the tribe of Judah and much hatred from mankind is not only against Jesus still today but also against the nation of Israel as well. So back in Revelation chapter 12 If you want to see this woman in labor here as a symbolic representation of the mother of Jesus or if you prefer prefer to see her as a symbolic representation of the mother of the tribes of Israel, I think that both of those interpretations are absolutely correct. Again, this is, this is simply a sign in heaven describing something to John that he's seeing in this vision. And remember, everything that John is seeing in this vision is what Jesus told him to write down. Why? Because he wanted the church to know it. He wanted the churches to know these things. And back here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 5, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to His throne. So this, of course, representative of Jesus Christ from the tribes of Israel and from the virgin birth of Mary. And picking it up in verse 6, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So this woman here is seen as having fled to the wilderness for three and a half years. And we talked about the whole 1,260-day thing last week as it pertains to the Jewish calendar and such. But here in the wilderness, this woman seeks shelter for this period of time. Remember, Joseph had to take Mary, his wife, and flee from the presence of Herod. And later the Lord spoke to Joseph and told him that it was okay to come back because Herod was dead. And Satan was not able to kill Jesus from birth, was he? But then what happens here in verse 7? And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan. When was he the serpent of old? He was the serpent of old in Genesis, right? But this tells us here who that great dragon was, the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So again, I told you that we would see the great fiery dragon was Satan. And there in verse 9 we see that. And I'll take a moment here to jump back and touch on verse 3 again where it says that Satan appears in in the sign that John sees as having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. Do you see that back there in verse 3? Seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. We've talked about before how horns represent power. And the diadems here, which of course a diadem is a type of a crown, right? And a crown represents royalty. Okay, So Satan is doing his best here to put up a good show. He's displaying himself in power and royalty. And the number seven represents perfection, so Satan is simply a big liar. He's that serpent, that serpent of old, that devil, a liar from the beginning. And he thinks here that he's a ruler and he shows up with his angels, which, of course, are demons. And he shows up to make war. But again, verse nine says that the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. Right. He was cast to the earth. Now, in our present day, in other words, at this point in time, in our day and age right now, Satan still does exist in the heavens. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, this is a familiar verse to to you all, but I'm going to have you look at it anyway. Turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Mark this page. Ephesians, chapter 6. Again, I made a statement to you there, saying that in our present day, right now, as we live today, Satan does exist in the heavens. Verse uh, Chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's why I say he still exists in the heavenly places today. So you see, it's not an odd thing in our day and age that Satan and his demons wage war in the heavenly places. That's what we wrestle against. The Bible tells you and me that this is the place where all of our struggles originate from. That's why we are to be not carnally minded, but rather spiritually minded people. And as we flip back to Revelation, Satan and his angels slash demons, they're waging war against Michael and his angels. And of course, they do not prevail, just, just as they didn't and won't ever prevail against Jesus. But you see, as of yet, Satan is not bound yet. But here we see that one day he will be cast out of heaven... And, have, and heaven will have no more place for him there, as he does today. He'll have no more place there. Then in verse 10 here of Revelation 12, we see the Apostle John says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ has come. have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down down. So again, at this point in the future, there is no more place for Satan in heaven. The day will come when we will when he will have no more access to the throne of God. And at that time, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ will have come. Today Satan is still the accuser of the brethren. He still accuses born-again believers before the throne of God, but His day is coming and we will be eternally in heaven and He will have no access there to where we are. And how does the brethren, the believers in Jesus Christ, overcome? How do they overcome Satan today? You and me. How do we overcome this accuser that seeks to devour us? Verse 11. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So the blood of the Lamb, that's how we've overcome. Jesus shed His blood on the cross for the remission of our sin. And the accuser has nothing to accuse us of. We've been made clean by the blood of the Lamb. And this is our testimony that makes us overcomers. Christ crucified is our testimony. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus, my Savior and my God, He came to the earth from heaven above. He became like us and He took our punishment. So we see three key components there in verse 11. The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and the fact that that we are to not to love our lives to the death. We are to die to ourselves. We are to surrender all, right? We are to give all to Jesus, every aspect, everything about our lives. We are to, like the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we are to say, I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? I'm dead. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And, and this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we're completely surrendered, totally surrendered to Jesus. That's how we are overcomers. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says that you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So again, three very key components here in verse 11. Then verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. So notice that there are those who dwell in the heavens and there are inhabitants of the earth at this point of time. in time that Revelation is talking about here. There are those in the heavens and those in the earth. Okay? Those who dwell in the heavens are the raptured church and the inhabitants of the earth are those that are living during the great tribulation that are going through that. And as I've said before, all hell is breaking loose on the earth and woe to those that are here during this time. The devil is loose on the earth and he has, as it says there, he has great wrath. Why? Because he knows this is it. His time is short. It's coming to an end.